Philippians chapter four. I, I, I'm excited um, for today. As you can as you can see, I don't have my sling. I I, I just was like I'm tired of feeling restricted, and uh, and, and my wife was just like you know hey don't move your hands so much. Be careful. She's looking out for me. But first service, man, it was like I was a ninja up here, man. I'm just like moving it around. So uh, I'm gonna do my best to uh, just hold it still. That's probably not gonna happen. But I'm just praying continued healing for this for this broken bone here. Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to read uh, 10 verses. We're going to read um, uh, starting in verse 10, and I want you to go there with me. It says this in verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need. Somebody say need. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content, and I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any, in every circumstance, I have learned the secret, learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. But verse 13 is the, is the, the famous verse that is on coffee mugs and is is planted on every Christian school's gym on the walls. It is, it is, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It is underneath the, the eyes of every Christian football player. It is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We're going to talk about that today because we're going to talk about uh, understanding scripture from context. From context. Knowing that you, you can't pick and choose a verse and then make it fit, you know, what you want it to fit. You got to know what it was intended for in the, in the original uh, meaning of the verse. And oh, in an American culture of, of self-help and me, 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 we love to pull that to, uh, you know, to have a genie in a bottle kind of God who's going to do whatever we need him to do when we need him to do it. Oh, I can do all things through Christ. Come on, come through for me right now in this football game, God. I'm about to bench press 300 pounds. Come through for me right now. I can do all things. Well, better have some muscle behind that too. I didn't study for this test, but I can do all things. No, you can't. <laughs> do you see how it can cause confusion? Because, because what happens when you... When you throw around verse 13 like a mantra, like God's supposed to just be your waiter every time you need something, and then it doesn't happen the way you thought it would. Now you're just confused. Well, I thought I could do all things. No, you just need to read scripture in context. You with me? It's going to get good. Just hang with me. Verse 14 says, Yet it was kind of you to share my troubles, as and you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel when I left Macedonia... No church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. Interesting verse right here. That word fruit means the profit that accrues to your account. What he's saying is, great that you blessed me, but what I'm more excited about is the fruit that you're going to get because you gave to me. What a perspective. I have received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. 
Oh, and here's another, here's another verse we love. Coffee cup verse right here. Get ready. And my God will supply every need of yours. See, we like to say all my needs. And my God's going to supply all my needs. It's not really the context. He's saying, and my God's going to supply every need of yours. Because he's faithful, and you've been faithful to give and to, and to be faithful. So God's going to supply all of your needs according to my riches and my glory. Come on, American church. That's what we wanted to say. He's going to supply my need according to my riches. Can I get an amen? <laughs> I'm going to preach to somebody today. He says, my God is going to supply every need of yours according to his riches and in glory in Christ Jesus to our God and Father. Be glory forever and ever. Amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Now pray with me just before we dive in today. Father, I just thank you so much for your presence. I thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that it stabilizes us. It keeps us on track. It keeps us in line. And I just pray, I thank you that it's alive. And I pray that today it would go forth, uh, that the seed would go forth and find good soil and bear fruit for your kingdom. Lord, I pray that, that faith would be stirred in the room. And I just thank you. I pray that you preach and teach through me. Holy Spirit, have your way in Jesus' name. And everybody said... I want to talk to you today about uh, living uh, fulfilled in whatever season you find yourself in. There is a place of fulfillment for your season right now. In other words, you don't have to wait until tomorrow to be fulfilled when this happens or that happens or this person or that person. And we, we, we are constantly usually in a place of discontentment waiting for something to happen that we think is ultimately going to fulfill us. And I'm here to tell you today that uh, we're gonna look at the context of this verse and I, and I want you to know that, that I said it earlier, but part of good Bible interpretation or Bible exegesis as it's called is knowing the author's intent, knowing his intent. And so I just wanna ask you guys, when Paul was writing this verse thousands of years ago, did he have in mind uh, a football player standing, sitting under a bench press about to bench 300 pounds and then, and then all of a sudden the guy's, oh, no, wait, 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 I gotta, I gotta stop. And he gets off the bench and he says, God, I can do all things through Christ, so just help me lift this 300 pounds right now. Amen, all right, I'm good, I'm ready, I'm ready. Like, is that, is that what Paul had in mind when he wrote this? I, I, I don't think it is, and, and so what I wanna do is give this, this text proper justice and, and really investigate Paul's intent and, and ultimately God's intent for us through these verses. I wanna give you a little bit of background on the church Philippi. Uh, Paul was writing this in about AD 62, and he was writing to the church in Philippi from a Roman prison. So he's writing actually as he's in chains. He has suffered much for the gospel. He's got stripes on his back, and he's actually in the last few years of his life, and he received something from the church. They sent a gift to him on behalf, you know, from Epaphroditus, and he received it, and so he is, he is writing back to them almost just this thank you letter to encourage them, and, and it's funny because he's in prison, and he's thanking them, and he's encouraged, and he's saying, man, I'm good to go, and a little bit of the background of what's happening in the persecution, uh, about 64 AD, Rome, you may, you may know this or not, but Rome actually burned down, 
And, and, and the entire city burned, and, and the, the emperor at the time was Nero, and, and many believe that he actually was the cause of, uh, of the burning, and that actually he was up in the palace playing the fiddle, watching it burn down. He was a madman. And word caught on to the fact that it was actually Nero who set the fire to Rome. And so as a pivot move, he had to put the blame onto somebody else. And so he thought, hmm, this little Jewish sect over here, they call themselves Christians. I'll just blame it on them. And so he blamed it on the Christians. And there began the, the, the worst persecution the church has ever faced. Hundreds of years of, of, of just uh, horrible things that happened to the church. As a matter of fact, years later, uh, the, the, the persecution got so bad that Nero would have parties in his palace and just for fun would bring Christians and boil them in hot oil for his guests to see. He was killing and torturing Christians just for fun. This is the, this is the backdrop for, for what we read uh, in, in, in this letter to the Philippians. He's encouraging them, and he's saying to them, listen, you're going to face some persecution, but, w- but what I want you to know is whatever season you find yourself in, there is a secret to be learned. We have to begin to resource from the right bank account. Because if you resource from the wrong bank account, you're going to overdraft and be frustrated. But he's saying there is a secret way to find fulfillment in life even in this season. Not next season, this season. Some of y'all, I don't like this season. I'm ready for the next season. Well, listen, a lot of times you won't get promoted to the next season until you realize that the next season is not what's going to fulfill you. So God's waiting on you to find fulfillment in the right thing now before you ever get promoted to the next season. Come on now, talking to somebody today. And so I want to just talk quickly. I'm going to look, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about four areas that we run naturally to to find fulfillment. This is going to get good. And then we're going to look at Paul and and we're going to investigate the scripture and see the secret that he's talking about. And I think it's going to help you. But I want to ask two questions. Where do you run to find fulfillment? And why are you so discontent in the season you're in? You got to ask yourself that question. Where do you run the most? Where is your natural go-to to find fulfillment? And why are you discontent in the season you're in now? I'm going to give you four things that, there are many, but four things that I, I believe are, are, especially for the United States, are our go-to places to find fulfillment. Can we go there? All right, the first one is this. We generally turn to a better version of ourselves to find fulfillment. And what do I mean by that? Well, here's what I mean. In other words, if you're discontent with the season, what you many times think is, I've got to better myself. And I've got to, um, you know, I've just got to become a better me. And I'm just here to tell you that a better you is not what you need. It might help you, but it's not going to fulfill you. I can prove this. You go to any bookstore in this country, and the best-selling books are five-minute abs and self-help books. It's true. Because you think a six-pack is what you need to make yourself fulfilled, and that's going to make you happy. A six-pack is good. You need to be healthy. But what, what I'm trying to say today is we need to have a proper understanding between just gifts to be enjoyed and, and things that we make idols to fulfill us. We have a tendency to turn to areas to fulfill these voids in our lives that they will never fill, and we end up frustrated. 
And I want to just say this. A better you is not what you need. You need a new you. You see, you see, the Pharisees, they, they love to hear the teaching of Jesus. And there's even an, an illustration of, of patches. And, he, and, and so why did he use patches, Jesus? Because, because what they would do is they would say, oh, I like this, this Jesus guy. I like his teachings. I, I really don't like that part, though, so I'm going to leave that on the shelf. But this one's good. Oh, yeah, 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 give and, and love. and I'll, I'll take that patch. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to take patches and, and, and add it to their old nature, thinking that they'll be a better person. Problem is, we don't need to be better. We need to be new. Jesus said, we need to be made new. We need to be transformed. Transformed. You don't need a better you. I think, and I'm just going to move on because I could just camp out here for a minute. I think we need less self-help books, and we just need to get back into some Bible. And we need to actually, uh, we need to learn our Bible. You, you can't, this is the truth. I, this is just, I'm going to just linger here for a minute. You can't even go to the Christian bookstore and find theology books. I'm just telling you, you go to the Christian bookstores around here and you and you, it, it will be very difficult for you to find actual commentaries and theological books that really unpack scripture. Oh, but there are rows and rows of better you, five things that you need to do to become a better you. And so and it's just like, man, and obviously it's not working. It's not working. It was never designed that way. We, you don't need... You don't need to be a better you. You do. That's good. But we need to understand it in the proper way. Amen? All right, here's the other thing. We turn to, we turn to others. So if we're not turning to a better version of ourselves, we're going to turn to others. And, and, and this can be um, uh, many different things. Many times it, it could be in a marriage. And, and, uh, and, and your marriage, you, you know, you're, you're unfulfilled a little bit. And, so, and many times it stems from unmet expectations, and if we're honest, most of the time, we watch movies like The Notebook and uh, you know, whatever else uh, movie, and, and we're like getting goosebumps, man. And we're like, this is just, you know, I'm just, this is amazing. Just, what a beautiful relationship. They're so passionate for each other. And oh my goodness, the goosebumps. And then we take that and we, and we impose it into our marriage. And we say, we expect to live in this place of, of constant goosebumps. And then we get there and they ain't there. Like, not even one bump. <laughs> I, I got lots of bumps. I got goosebumps even as we speak. I'm getting myself in trouble. <laughs> oh, I'm just so blessed. And we have this expectation and we are placing on somebody and we are demanding things from them that they were, de they were never designed to give us. Many times we, we place this demand of fulfillment on our spouse. And then we're not fulfilled only to be frustrated, only then to think that the grass is probably greener on the other side. And then there's this constant cycle. That's why people, you know, they go through divorce after divorce after divorce because they are demanding something from a person that the person was never designed to give them. We resource fulfillment from Christ Jesus. And when you have both spouses resourcing from God, they come together and they are better equipped to love each other the right way. <laughs> the, the right way, not demanding things. Now, let me just talk practical for just for a minute. Because, because there, there, unmet expectations is just is going gonna, is, is gonna to cause frustration. 
So some of y'all, this just comes back to communication. Because if you're not communicating your expectations to your spouse, and then you come home and what you secretly were thinking they should be doing, they're not doing, and now you're mad. No, you just need to communicate. We need to communicate with our spouse. And, and because unmet expectation leads to frustration, stems from needs not being met most of the time because we're looking in the wrong places. And we're putting a demand on people, and they were never designed to fulfill us. Amen? <laughs> we just, we need to get proper perspective here. All right, and you, you, you serve your wife, you love your husband, you love each other, but ultimately fulfillment comes from Christ. And we're better qualified now to love them the right way. Some of you maybe are in marriage problems right now. Can I just tell you the very best thing you can do is to, is to push your spouse to Christ, encourage them in their faith and in their personal pursuit of Jesus. I am my best husband and father and pastor that I can ever be when I'm the closest to Jesus. You with me today? So we turn to, we turn to others. Uh, we turn to the world many times. So we got a better, a better version of us. We turn to others. And, and also we turn to the world. And let me explain this because many times we're just turning to, to things that, that I'm not, I'm talking to Christians right now. So I'm not meaning like you're, you're clubbing and doing drugs on the weekend. Because if that's happening, we need to have some talking after anyway. Like, you know, it's a different problem. I'm talking about when I say we lean on the world for fulfillment, what I mean is many times we are taking gifts from God. God that were meant to to be enjoyed, and we are and we are trying to use them uh, to fulfill us. They were meant to be enjoyed, not to fulfill us. And, and this could be many things. Um, you know, you, you could talk about money. Um, you could talk about food. I mean, how many of you know food? Good food is a gift from God. I, it is. How many of you like to enjoy a nice steak? Come on, somebody. Loaded baked potato. Caesar salad with a cold sweet tea to wash it down. That is a gift from Almighty God. Blue Bell ice cream. Come on, Jesus. Cookies and cream. A gift from God meant to be enjoyed. A gift from God, not a God itself. A gift from God to be enjoyed, not meant to be, we don't run to those things in order to find fulfillment. Are you with me? Bluebell's going to fulfill you for a hot minute. And then about minute two, you're going to be regretting those, that double bowl of Bluebell ice cream. We run to things. We run to things that are meant to be enjoyed and we make them idols. And then when it fulfills for a little while and then we wake up one day and we're not satisfied anymore and the chase and the cycle continues. What else do I need? What else do I need? I need a better car now. And you think a better car is going to fulfill you. I need a better job. Well, I didn't get that promotion. And if I would have gotten the promotion, I would have the money I need to be happy. No. You need to resource from Christ. You need to be content in the situation and season that God has you in. All right, so we're going to run to the world. And the last thing is, many times, man, we run to religion. And let me explain this, all right? Uh, Christians love to do this because it's, it's kind of natural for us. When we're unsatisfied, what happens is, is we run to religion by saying, you know, if I'm good enough, God will owe me and I'll find peace and fulfillment. 
um, I'm not satisfied, so I've got to do better. I've got to go to church more. I've got to give more. I've got to serve on the parking team. Come on, somebody. Where's my parkers at? I said this first service, yeah. Uh, you know, today is a great day to be on the parking team, 68 degrees and breezy outside. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit's just stirring people to serve today. I just felt led by the Holy Ghost just to sign up for the parking team. Oh, the, the, the Holy Ghost wasn't talking to you in July? You're just trying to come out here when the weather gets good. And we think that, we think religion, we think doing. See, religion is lived from outside in. Relationship with Jesus is lived from inside out. And we think if I can do more, if I can serve more, if I can do these things, then maybe God will owe me and, and I'll be fulfilled. And it doesn't work. You end up frustrated. Are you with me today? These are all temporary fixes. They don't last, and we're left chasing. We're left chasing more. We have these unmet expectations. Somebody gave us a gift card recently, my wife and I. And uh, actually, well, let me back that up because uh, probably, I don't know, three, four weeks ago, uh, a couple from the church took us to Fleming Steakhouse. Anybody ever been to Fleming Steakhouse in Tampa? It's really, really good, okay? It's just like, I mean, steak and lobster, and I'm just like, this is a blessing from the Lord right now, right? And, uh, and so, and so we, we, had, we, we had enjoyed this steak and this lobster, and then um, recently we, we celebrated our 14th wedding anniversary. Come on, somebody. 14th wedding anniversary. And so we went to a place um, not quite on the level of Fleming's. And I uh, just thought, you know, hey, look, we, we want to, I want you to just get, get what you want, man. This is anniversary and you just get what you want. Well, we got steak and lobster again. A little bit, a little bit disappointed in the steak and lobster, though, because it was kind of chewy and it, it felt like I had pulled it out of a bag out of my freezer. But, but, but a lot of that was due to the fact that I was, I was gauging that off of the Flemings that I had. And so there was this gap of, of unmet expectation that was causing me to be frustrated with my meal. Unmet expectations lead to disappointment. I want to look at the text today, and I want to look at Paul, and I want to look at this secret that he talks about from Scripture, how we can be fulfilled by resourcing from the right place. And, and Paul talks about his needs, he talks about his contentment, and then he reveals his source. Let's just go there. First, let's, let's look at Paul's needs. Somebody just say, I got needs. I got some needs. Look at verse 11. He said, not that I am speaking of being in need. Not that I'm speaking of being in need. So what Paul's basically saying is, is I'm good. I, I'm, I'm good. Yes, I'm in prison, but, but I'm, not, I'm not in need right now, which if, if you look out on the surface seems to contradict itself because if you look in verse 16, he says, even in Thessalonica, you sent me help for my needs once again. And, and so reading this, we, we could say, wait a minute, Paul, I thought you didn't have needs. Now you're talking about thank you for meeting my needs. Like, which is it? Do you, you, are you, you have needs or not? But do you know me? I like to look up words and I like to, to unpack the, the, the real meaning. And, and, and let me side note real quick. If, if, if you are looking and studying your Bible, you can um, resource blueletterbible.com and you can put any verse in there and it will pull up the actual Greek word and you click on it and it will give you the actual definition for the word. Here's why that can help you sometimes. Because the English translated here for need, um, it, was, it was put need in both words, but it's two different Greek words. And let's look at it. The verse, verse 11, it says, not that I am speaking of being in need. 
This word in the Greek means insufficient funds, not enough, or overdrafting. I love that. Overdrafting your account. So what is he saying? He's saying, yes, I'm in prison. Yes, I'm, I, I'm going through a tough situation, but I haven't overdrafted yet. I still got some credit in my account. I still got some funds in my account. But when you go down into verse 16, he says, not that I seek the gift, but or, he says, you sent me help for my needs. And this word means simply things that are helpful or useful for me. So what is Paul saying? Paul is saying that in every season he's learned that he can resource from heaven and find fulfillment in Christ. And there is a secret bank account that never runs dry. There is a secret bank card that never taps out. How many of you want that bank card? But there are a lot of other cards that we go to that run out and they overdraft and they leave us frustrated and, and they leave us having to pay a bill. We don't have any money to pay. And he's saying, yes, I had, I had needs, but I'm not needy. In other words, he's saying, I am good. I resource from heaven. I find fulfillment in Jesus Christ. But there are some things that would be useful for me. Thank you for meeting those needs. Does that make sense? We look at Paul's we look at Paul's needs. All of us have needs because I want to just dig in a little bit today. I want to talk to you just about maybe some needs that you have. How many of you, you know, uh, have some money needs or some job needs or relationship or health and know that the, the, the list goes on and on and on. We all got needs. Come on, somebody. We all got needs. You want to know, you want to know somebody's needs or you've been in a small group, just ask for prayer requests. You'd be careful, right? It'd take up the whole time. Somebody, well... Well, I got my dog and I got this and my coworker. I mean, just the knees just go on and on and on. I want to talk to you about, again, I want to highlight um, something because I really felt led to highlight this today. And I want to talk about needs as it relates to marriage. I want to, to talk about needs as it relates to marriage. And, and I, I said it, but I, I want to reiterate because I felt like there was somebody in here who needs to hear this. Your problem in your marriage may not be that, that you are not getting your needs met, but it may be that you are looking in the wrong places to find the needs being met. You're looking in the wrong places. And I just want to say this again. Stop demanding things from your spouse that they were never intended to give you. Because there's frustration. I do marriage counseling. We, we talk to many people who are frustrated. And it comes down to a simple fact of, of you are expecting a Jerry Maguire marriage. You complete me. Or what's your favorite movie? Pride and Prejudice. I love, I love, I love, I love you. And you're expecting, you're expecting certain fairy tales. Listen, your spouse was not designed to complete you. It's quiet in here right now, but I need you to hear me. The, the word, the, the phrase soulmate is not biblical. Man, I'm a, I know I'm rubbing some, some people right now. I just got to find my soulmate. Your soul, you need a resource from heaven to find the needs of your, of your soul and your spirit to be met. There's no one person who's qualified to do that. Oh, you complete me. No, he doesn't. 
right for a hot minute, but quickly you're going to realize. Like a really hot minute. Like he is not completing me. And then what, do, what are we forced to do then? Well, maybe they will. Come on. Maybe they'll complete me. Maybe she'll complete me. She's giving me attention. I get goosebumps right now. And the cycle continues. And you realize that what you thought would fulfill only fulfilled quickly. And now you're left hungry again and searching and empty, overdrafted. Got bills you can't pay. But you're resourcing from the wrong account. That was for somebody. The best encouragement that you can be for your spouse is to push them to Jesus. Can I get an amen about that? All right, so we got needs. We need to just clarify needs. I want to look at this word contentment. I want to look at Paul's contentment. Look in verse 11. He says, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned. He's learned in whatever situation to be content. So he's learned. I want to look at verse 12. He says, I know how to be brought low and how to abound in every circumstance. I have learned the secret. There is a secret to contentment. There is something that we must learn. But I need to clarify this word contentment because the word actually means to possess enough. It means to be satisfied in your season. It means you don't have insufficient funds. And and, and here's, here's where we get it confused. Contentment does not mean to settle. We hear, we hear a pastor that may say, you just need to be, be content in your season. And what we hear from that is you just need to settle for the way that things are. You, you don't have any money in your bank account. You just need to accept that. You don't have, uh, you're, you're not walking out in the, the, the things that God wants. You just need to accept that. You got family problems. Just accept it. Just be content. No, that's not what it means. It is not what it means. It means that, that we have to learn through going through situations, how to resource from the right place so that whether you're in prison like Paul or, or, or whether your bank account is overflowing and your ministry is flourishing and all is well, even at home, you can say, I'm content, I'm good because I'm resourcing from the right account. I'm content. Content is not to settle. Listen, some of you guys, and this is where even poverty mentalities come in and, and oh, I just got to, you know, it's just all about being beaten down and bro, I just got to be content. No, 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 no. You strive for excellence in all that you do by the grace of God. This is not content. We, 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 I'm, I am desiring to walk out the calling that he's placed upon me. I'm just, I just, we have to just know where to find fulfillment. Does that make sense? Some of you can say, oh, that's easier for you to say, Pastor, but you don't know what I'm going through. I'm talking about contentment. There would be no way you could be content in my season. You know, listen, I don't know what you're going through, but what I can say is God wants you to be content in the season you're in. And he may not promote you to the next season until you learn that the next season's not what's going to fulfill you. Ten years, ago, so, uh, ten years ago, my wife and I moved here from the mission field and uh, listen, we had some expectations. We were thinking that, man, we're going we're gonna to come to Pinellas County and, and uh, man, we're going to see revival. And, and man, I'm, I'm going to come on there and, and I'm going to be full time and just getting paid to minister. I'm going to be preaching to thousands. Come on now. I'm mean, I just all these great expectations. And, and I get here. And I'm working two jobs. We're making, I'm making $450 a week. I got one vehicle. I'm talking to four youth on Wednesday nights who don't even want to be there. There's no air conditioning in there. I'm frustrated. Nobody even recognizing my anointing. (laughs) 
what I realized is that I was learning. And I would go before the Lord, and the Lord would say, are you getting your fulfillment in success or in me? You still got some learning to do. So years would go by. I'm expecting these things. And remember, unmet expectations produce frustration. I'm expecting all these things, and there would be times where I'm like, all right, we've been this, this you know, the amount of people, and our church is going to grow. I just, I'm expecting all of these things, and then it doesn't happen. Year after year, frustration. How many people have come up to my wife, my wife or myself, and, and, and just with, with religious anger, trying to tell us that we're doing things wrong, and why are you singing those songs so much, and we need to get back to this, you need to, church needs to be out at 1045, and all, blah, 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 blah. The list goes on and on. Frustration. Expectation way up here. Experience way down here. Oh, I wish somebody would recognize my anointing. Yeah, see, Stephen, that's why, that's why you haven't been promoted yet, buddy. Because you're trying to resource from your circumstance. You're, you're trying to gain fulfillment from what I can do for you. And what happens is we make God's blessings our pursuit instead of his presence our pursuit. And we pursue his blessings and we miss the reward of his presence and we're not fulfilled even with his blessings because we have made the blessings the God. Talking to somebody today. We, we learn we learn this process of how to be satisfied in this season. Before I go on to the last point, I want to ask you, why are you not satisfied right now? You can, only you can answer that. Be careful how you answer. Be honest, but, but evaluate how you answer that question. Well, if I had this, I would be satisfied. We need to learn how to be content. Amen, church? All right, and I want to look at Paul's source, and I want you to flip a page back in Philippians to chapter 3. Look at Paul's source. Philippians 3, he reveals it to us right here. It says in verse 4, Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I got more. I love that. If you think you're good, I'm better. That's basically what he's saying. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. In other words, Paul was saying, I was the man. Verse 7, he reveals his secret. But whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I might gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I may know him. And the power of his resurrection. That I may resource from heaven's bank account that never runs dry. That never overdrafts. And in the season that I'm in, even right now, even through the struggle, even through the pain, even through the health issues, I can find satisfaction in the goodness 
in the presence of an almighty God. There is a bank account in heaven that does not run dry. Isn't it interesting for us, church, and I'm closing right now. We're landing this plane, but you need to think about this just for a second before we go home. It's interesting that when we talk about fullness of life, but it always seems to be in front of us. It never seems to be enjoyed now. We always talk about the future. We say things like this. Well, when I get that promotion, when those people who wronged me get what they deserve, I'll be good. When I finally get you know, my ministry or they recognize my anointing, when I pay my debt off, when I own a home, all those things are good, just not good gods. It's always a future tense. It's always, yeah, I'll be fulfilled when. Well, what about the things you're living in now that you prayed for years ago that you said, when I get those things, I'll be good. You're living in them now and you're already praying for more. You've already gotten discontent again. When I own a home, we love our home. I love home ownership. It's not meant to fulfill me. It's meant to be enjoyed. When this relationship mends itself, when I'm treated better, when I get the respect that I deserve, no, no, that won't fulfill you. It's temporary. It's, it's, it's fleeting. It won't last. It won't fulfill you. It won't be permanent. But I'm telling you, there is a fulfillment that will fill you every time. John chapter 4, Jesus meets a woman at the well. And he says, I've got water. I've got water for you. You've been thirsty. You've been, you've been thirsty. You've been, you've been trying husband after husband after husband. And you get satisfaction for a little while. And then you realize it didn't fill. And you go for something else. And you go for something else. And you go for something else. And he didn't look at her and judge her for her past. He looked at her and says, sweetheart, I've got water that if you would drink of it, you will never thirst again. This can be the end of your quest for satisfaction. You were designed to be fulfilled in me. A couple chapters later, John chapter 6, he feeds the multitudes. Jesus is feeding the multitudes, and they get their belly full, and then, then they wake up the next morning, and guess what? They're hungry again. Oh, they were fat and happy. They were, oh, just great bread. Oh, this was a man. What a buffet this was. It was like Long John Silver's Jesus style. But they got hungry again. And the next morning, they woke up and they're like, where's that Jesus guy? Man, I'm hungry again. And they chase him down because they, they, they are looking for him to meet a physical need. And he says something to them. And he says, listen, you missed the point. I did that miracle as a sign to point to something greater. Yes, I fed your belly, but that is not the point. I, I fed your belly so that it could point you to a greater feeling. Listen, I, have, I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. If you eat of me, you will never hunger again. Don't worship the sign. Let the sign point you to what it was meant to point you to. And I say this all the time. If you're taking vacation, if you're going to Destin, you, you see a sign that says Destin 100 miles. You don't pull over and just camp out and party and vacation at that sign. That would be weird. <laughs> you let the sign point you to your destination. I'm just here to tell you today, stop making the sign your idol. Stop trying to, to, to allow the sign to fulfill you and run to Jesus today. Run to Jesus. He's the bread of life. He's the bread of life. He's the fountain of living water. 
And if we could learn to resource from him, Matthew 5, 6 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. That word means running over more than enough. Not just when things are good. Not just when your season is what you wanted it to be. No, no, no. Good regardless. Good regardless. Satisfied regardless. Oh, we got needs. We got things that are useful for us. We need money. We need certain things in life to be useful, but they're not meant to satisfy. I want to pray over you. I want to pray that you're you will learn the secret that Paul's talking about in these verses. Because I feel, as I was praying this week, as I was praying for you, I felt like there were a lot of dry cups that were going to be in here today. A lot of dry cups. You pour something in the cup, and it tastes good for a minute, and then it's gone, empty again. I just want you to bow your heads, close your eyes with me just for a moment. I want to pray over you. Father, I just pray for every person under the sound of my voice. They're searching, and they're searching, and they're searching. They're not satisfied. They're discontent. Reveal to them in this moment by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the grace of God, that only you satisfy. God, a better version of us is not going to satisfy. More things from the world is not going to satisfy. Only you will satisfy. You are the bread of life. And I just pray in this moment that you begin to pour out your spirit. God, you said, don't be drunk with wine, but keep on keeping on being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Do that right now, God, all over this room. Come on, if you just need a touch from God, just slip your hand up. Just slip your hand up right now. Come on, he's in the room. Father, meet every need, every need in this room. Pour your spirit out right now. Satisfy your children with who you are, with your face, with your goodness, with your presence. I just want to talk to you just for one more minute. If there's somebody in the room, if there's somebody in the room and you're, you need to make a decision for Jesus, you, you need to commit your life to him. I don't want you to leave here without having that opportunity. You say, man, I've never really committed my life to Jesus. You need to do that today. He's knocking at the door of your heart. He wants to remove your sin. He wants to remove your guilt and fill you with love and grace. This is not just about coming into an agreement with a, with a thought process. This is about making Jesus the Lord of your life and the Savior of your life. And if you need to do that, I want to pray with you today. Maybe you're watching this. We've had thousands of people watch our videos all over, this, all over the nation, really all over the world. Maybe you're watching in your car, in your break room, and you need to make a decision for Jesus. I want you to do that right now. I just want you to pray this prayer with me. I want you to pray it in faith, meaning it, believing it with all of your heart. I want you to say, pray something like this. Father, I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you paid the price for me and that three days later you were raised from the dead and you're alive forevermore. You're seated at the right hand of God. And I thank you for that. And I'm asking right now in faith that you would forgive me of all my trespasses and all my sins and make me new. Fill me with your spirit. Commit my life to you to become the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name.